Outside, the towering bulk of the Sulaco slides through a silent field of stars. Inside my hypersleep pod, I lie, semi-dormant, my oxygen processors running a quiet stasis cycle, while I am dimly aware of the months steadily passing. Occasionally, I turn my head to check the condition of my fellow sleepers through the fog of the call membrane. Hicks lies quietly, his face half covered by bandages. Ripley and the child are in the further pods, sleeping peacefully. On the last occasion I make this check, my vision is more blurred than usual. It takes a moment to realize that the problem is not the membrane, but the canopy of my hypersleep pod. It is misted and beaded with moisture. Instead of a dry, deep cold, the temperature in here with me now is humid and subtropical. Welcome to Screen Run. I'm the Lady One and I'm here with... Chris Galzo. Screen Run is the podcast where Chris and I discuss the works of a particular artist or franchise in its entirety. Here in Season 2, we are discussing the Alien franchise. And this week, we are excited to be joined by another fantastic guest. It's Jason from Binge Movies. Hello. Hello. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> we'll see uh, about so this that. Episode, yeah. <laughs> this episode's going to be a little bit different because today on this movie podcast, we are talking about a movie that was never made. But before we get into that, Jason, can you tell our lovely audience about your personal history? with the Alien franchise. I am a white male of a certain age who has a movie podcast. <laughs> so that means, this is a little known fact, you have to like the Alien films <laughs> to be in the podcast broadcast union. Oh. Uh, otherwise, my uh, podcast benefits, the union benefits <laughs> would lapse and I, I would be disbarred as a podcaster. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's just a requirement if you are a person uh typically a white male of a certain age that you just love these movies not that you have to be a white male i just <laughs> it's just i'm just looking at the odds if you're a white guy with a podcast you like at least some of these movies yeah that's safe so last episode we talked about 1992's alien 3 alien cubed Directed by David Fincher, based on the Vincent Ward story with a screenplay by Hill and Geiler and Larry Ferguson. And you could check out that last episode if you want to hear us talk about a movie that happened. But today is alternative Alien 3. It is the audio drama production of the William Gibson script that could have been the film, but wasn't. Chris, what, what happened? How did this happen? How did we get this? How did we get this? So yeah. my understanding, and feel free anybody to jump in and correct me, is that this kind of leaked out on the interwebs at some point that there was this ulterior, this alter, ulterior alternative script that was out <laughs> there for the film that wasn't made. And eventually it was turned into a graphic novel produced by Dark Horse Comics. And I did do my due diligence and I actually read the uh, graphic novel series as well as listening to Ooh. this audio drama. Remember, it's not an audio book. It's an audio drama, which is a yes. different animal. Yes. So basically, that's what happened. So Audible is looking for some content because they got to move some digital books, audiobooks, and they yeah. decided to bring this script, William Gibson's abandoned screenplay, to life. And one of the cool things about it is that they're able to actually get back in Michael Bean and Lance Henriksen. 
who sound like much older versions of Michael Bean <laughs> and Lance Hendrickson. I didn't feel like they sounded that much older. Hendrickson. Michael, yeah, go Michael ahead, Bean sounded hungover. Michael <laughs> Bean sounded. Michael Bean's career was torpedoed for a reason. <laughs> and I think those reasons are still on board. Oh, the characters technically have been through a lot. So, you know, Bishop's in pieces. I thought he sounded good for being in pieces. You know, that's that's no? a, that's a positive way to look at it. And I appreciate <laughs> your outlook on things. Yeah. I'm getting a sense that maybe uh, maybe Chris wasn't a fan of this audio drama from Audible. Uh, well, here's know. the thing. I this love <laughs> this kind of stuff. I actually yeah. listen to old-time radio broadcasts. Like, there is a, uh, a couple podcasts that I will listen to when I have time that are like old-school horror shows from like the 30s and 40s and 50s right i love that kind of old school radio stuff and the guy who directed this is a guy named dirk mags which listen folks do yourself a favor and google this son of a gun because his picture is awesome i mean i'm talking like vintage poison from the 80s or some (laughs) hair metal group you got to look at this cat and that's what he looks like today so i have mad respect for this guy but he also did one of oh yeah yeah Juan just saw it. Oh, I just so, saw it. He's been wow. doing some alien audio dramas, but for me, he did Batman Nightfall, which when I watched or watched, I listened to as a kid, which is really good. It's an audio adaptation of that classic comic series, and it's it's a lot of fun. So I was looking forward to listening to this, and it exists. <laughs> oh no okay all right well before we we get into our our thoughts and feelings on on this audio drama so this is just for a little background we talked about the original william gibson script in last episodes and and what was the the one sentence description of that chris oh what was it space i can't remember now space commies hijack alien eggs big problem in mall world there you go exactly so the first draft of the script was a lot more like Aliens with heavy action. Hicks and Bishop were going to have a big battle. It was going to be like a ship full of xenomorphs. There were some things that kind of held true to this version of it. But I feel like the second draft of this script is more like the first Alien times two than it is like Aliens. Just mm. less on the heavy action, more on the claustrophobic feel. Like we've got a small group of people in a ship, a small group of people in a base. Like it feels more like the first one, but obviously a different evolution to the story, but we've still got like a small group of people dealing with the life cycle and the threat of this creature. So that's kind of roughly what's going on. Um, You can listen to this audio drama on audible, or you can just find it on YouTube. Everybody. You know, it's like Juan's like, all right, how can I make sure we get no <laughs> advertisers whatsoever? I was about to say, is there not a like Lady Juan promo code for a 30 free days of Audible? I mean, <laughs> you would think a podcast, right? I mean, yeah. god dang. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm... uh I don't mean to take us off course, uh, but and I'm assuming if you're listening to a podcast called Screen Run with these two beautiful nerds who host it, <laughs> I assume that you know who William Gibson is, but he's essentially mm. the godfather of cyberpunk. Almost every computer and every hacker's movie, including the greatest hacker movie, the greatest cybersecurity movie in history, Hackers, mm-hmm. uh, the computer, the mainframe is called the Gibson. And uh, you wouldn't have uh, the Matrix or Ghost in the Shell or anything without 
our boy Gibson. And so I think, to your point, Lady Juan, the idea of bringing that guy in and being like, can you make an, the sequel to Aliens? I don't know that it was ever going to be this action movie because that's mm-hmm. not what he does. He does yeah. like speculative science fiction that's like, let's take what's going on today, and in this case, the, the late 80s, right? Yeah. With the Cold War, and let's project that into the future and create a bunch of weird technology around speculative fiction make it very kind of heavy it's heavy material it's not like pulp novel material so the idea yeah. this guy was going to deliver you the follow-up to james cameron's aliens is kind of ill-conceived to begin mm-hmm. with unless you planned on mm-hmm. bringing in another writer guyler hill whoever to basically spice it up with a bunch of pop culture stuff so yeah. it's, it sounds you are familiar with Gibson's work. Uh, is that a safe assumption on my part, Jason? I'm familiar with it, not in the sense that his cultists are familiar with it. I'm <laughs> familiar with it in the sense that he's probably, like him and Isaac Asimov are probably the two most influential science fiction writers of the 20th century. So I would say, yeah, I've seen movies, so I, I know who William <laughs> Gibson is. Fair enough. But I meant like you read his his work and you were a fan of his, so you would appreciate... i tried to read his work. Okay. It's dense. All right. <laughs> So I just watched Blade Runner instead. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is about it. <laughs> I saw The Matrix, you know. <laughs> yeah, that covers it. Yeah. Because I think that was one of the things. I didn't get a big cyberpunk vibe out of this thing at all. I don't know if he was just constrained by the expectations of making an alien. He's basically doing a work for hire thing. And he yeah. has to build yeah. it within this established universe. So he's going mm-hmm. to be somewhat restrained. But he does introduce a lot of, I think, interesting concepts that Ridley Scott basically expands upon in the later films. Well, the next one you're, I don't want to jump ahead, but the next one you're going to talk about is almost an adaptation of parts of this script. The idea of, because, I mean, with with this franchise, they wrote 50,000 different scripts (laughs) for every one of these movies past (laughs) the second one. Um, And they would just, like, later on, copy and paste parts of different versions of the script and then make a sequel out of that, which is why I think uh, all the sequels are terrible and (laughs) spoilers, my opinion. And uh, they do that with this script. I think alien resurrection borrows a lot from this idea of like this space station and experimentation and all this sort of stuff. The only difference is, uh, and maybe you guys know this lady one or Chris, can you speak to this? Uh, This script uh, feels unfinished. Because, like, we get told that they do experiments on either side, and we see the result of their experiments, mm. um, but we don't actually see the experiments. They just skip over that. Mm. And uh, I thought that was really uh, odd. I thought it was very odd. And I think, yeah, Chris, it's not a cyberpunk story, but it's very, like, we spent a lot of time, if you're listening to it, the first hour of this thing is just like the drama of commies in space, like yeah. the description, and like what the geo, I wouldn't be geo because there is no geo, but the <laughs> intergalactic politics are between two warring federations of capitalists and socialists. Mm-hmm. And you're like, is this an alien story? Is there <laughs> like Bishop gave us this exposition dump, and then we were just like, now we're just talking about like who's banging who on this uh capitalist non-colonial 
we're like way in the weeds of like politics, but well, and I think, spending time with characters who don't have personalities. Well, yeah, I think part of it too, we have to keep in mind is that when Gibson wrote this, it's 1987, yeah. right? So the whole Cold War pol- politics yeah. thing was still a big thing at that point. Uh, so some of that stuff may not seem as resonant today as it was then. But I will say too, Jason, I think you're entirely right that we basically get like out of this barely over two hour audio drama, we get about 15 minutes of Bishop kind of reenacting and telling us everything that happened in the uh, prior film, which was a bit of a slog. I will say, I think the thing is paced very well. I mean, it, the thing, once it gets rolling (laughs) after that kind of, well, it's weird. I think it's paced well, but it's so scattered and it's so hard to kind of grab on to anything that's actually happening in this thing yeah, that it's yep. very confusing mm. half the time, too. Well, we'll get into al- all of that. But as sorry, you, yeah, as you guys talked about, Aliens is probably one of the most perfectly paced films ever made. Mm. Mm-hmm. And the economy of storytelling within the first 20 minutes, we know. You were 50 some years in the future, et cetera, et cetera. This is where Ripley is now. This is who Burke is. This is who the colonial Marines are. We get all right. their personalities. Everybody gets a moment. Everybody gets a little bit of from a pwn to Bishop. And we understand their relationships and who likes who and who doesn't. And, and then we get to the colony. And even though they've cut all the colony stuff out in the theatrical cut, we understand what this colony was and what happened and da, 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 da. And this movie has a bunch of characters in it. And they're all just kind of interchangeable. <laughs> and they're all like different <laughs> science officers for different federations. And uh, okay. So I think if they were to just take the script and shoot it and make Alien 3 out of this script, it also would have been a terrible sequel. But <laughs> it just doesn't feel finished. So that's the mm-hmm. hard part of what we're doing here today yeah. is it feels like we're basically trying to extrapolate on a draft which is kind of fun i've never done that before Mm. yeah it's definitely something different uh i had trouble rating it but we're not we're not there yet let's be positive chris okay Um. (laughs) i affirmative things that you enjoyed about this like what what was good for you (laughs) okay so i the sound design of this is adequate. Like the effects. <laughs> adequate is not positive. <laughs> it's, it's, they bring back like the loader sound effects. Yes. Right. They reuse. I like the loader noise too. The little Scalzo score corner. Yes. Which is almost non-existent in this is they reuse <laughs> stuff from Alien Isolation, the video game, I guess, is part of the music in this. Yeah. Um, which is fine. Uh, I think <laughs> it was nice to have Lance Hendrickson and Michael Bean back. I think really, if I had anything really super positive to say about it, I think it was nice just to hear them replaying these watered down, you know, little, as I think I use the term again, scattered version of -hmm. these prior characters that you love so much. And I also really liked some of the conceptual stuff. I love the idea of the hybrid. I love the idea that, of course, as we say, Ridley Scott, then I don't want to spoil too much. I can't remember one. Have you seen Prometheus? No, but all right. So I, I don't in the world. So there are certain things that come that Scott then uses in the later films that are introduced here that are mm-hmm. really interesting. But I guess that's 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 it. 
I think those are the positive things I have to say. Okay. Do you agree with Jason that if this is the Alien 3, they would have made it also would have sucked? Absolutely. I think sidelining <laughs> uh, Ripley is a major mistake. I yeah. understand that this was supposed to set up as a two-parter and that she yeah. would make a, play a larger role in the fourth film. But it just seems like a horrible idea having her basically be well, a side character for f- five minutes. Yeah, well, as a nerd, let me just say, well, actually, uh, that's part of it was the two-parter was one idea. The other idea was uh, for a long time, she said she wasn't coming back. So yeah. they commissioned a version of the that. script. Yeah, where it's like, well, put her in there. And then if we don't get the deal done, she can just be cut out. It's not really going to change the narrative. What's bizarre, though, is the way that this flows is that there really isn't a protagonist because you think it would be Hicks. Mm-hmm. But the way this he disappears for large chunks, yeah. mm-hmm. and we're following these new characters, and I'm not really sure out of these new characters who the protagonist is, and and then even with Newt, she's it, she's alive, which is a, a plus. I'd give mm-hmm. that a positive. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hicks Bishop gets repaired. Hicks isn't impaled to death. <laughs> Newt didn't drown. So that's a plus. <laughs> Very true. But then, like, she's in the story and in and out of the story. And then, like, halfway through the movie, they, like, put her on a shuttle and send her to North Dakota or wherever. Oregon. Oregon, yes. And you're like, uh, why? We, like, I'm glad she's not dead, but why was she in the movie? I, that's fair. Or Just in the a- script. at the movie. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because she doesn't really do anything. We don't really get very many moments between her and Hicks. Obviously, Ripley's in a coma (laughs) in case the contract doesn't work out. I just, it seemed to me that if this is what we're going to do, Gibson would have put Hicks more forward into the narrative. Yeah, he's almost Mm -hmm. a side character in this film entirely. Yeah, he shows up at the end again and like becomes kind of our hero, but he's gone in the middle of the story, which is weird. Yeah, I think this feels more like, like the Bishop show. I think... Based on only what I heard, it feels like Newt exists so that at some point we will go see lemurs and that we will know that there are lemurs and that that would be a fun visual if it was real. In <laughs> alien lemur hybrid. I don't, I don't, yeah, because they're not going to show a grown up a bunch of lemurs, right? I like Which, lemurs. I guess why do they have all those lemurs if there wasn't a kid there? Well, they're they're an ecological station. So the implication is that most of the Earth has been destroyed through war and potential nuclear holocaust. Yeah, but Oregon's fine. Yeah. Well, (laughs) we don't know that it's fine. (laughs) We just know it's people live there. Okay. Technically, there are grandparents in Oregon. Yeah, because because when Newt asked the question of like, is this what Earth is like, and she's like, a couple of places. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like. So we've it. we've gone to the stars basically, and this whatever mm-hmm. this conflict is between the UPP and uh, the corporations uh, uh, has basically destroyed Earth, and so yeah. they were they created this uh, idealistic, neutral Switzerland science based ecological station to try to like basically like uh, uh, like rebuild animals and do dna work to like make like (laughs) make life again after we destroyed it yeah and then they get end up caught into the whole thing because of whale and yutani and they end up becoming a germ warfare lab essentially 
I like that idea. That's a positive. Mm-hmm. I like the idea mm-hmm. of like these these outsider idealistic like climate change scientists <laughs> who are like we're trying to like make redwoods grow again and lemurs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But then the, the business of it is we're funded by this very evil corporation and yeah. When the two weapons people come show up, the biological weapons people, Fox and Wells, when they show up, mm-hmm. uh, who are just instantly written to be completely evil. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, okay, you can have your lemurs. Yes. Uh, but we're going to turn your entire ship into a containment unit, like the movie Life, which is a most recent alien ripoff movie. Hmm. It's the same kind of plot. And we're going to force you to do experimentations on this uh, this goo, this residue from Bishop, half of Bishop. Mm-hmm. I think all that's interesting. Like you said, like, con- like Chris, I think you said conceptually. Yeah. I think yeah. that's really interesting. And then essentially be- the-, the permeability of the uh, xenomorph DNA. I would like that they explored that more. That was kind of cool. I just wish we had a protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, it feels... I guess that's probably... I like to hope that's something that that would have gotten improved upon had this been actually like a shooting script, because I feel like it's easier to kind of bounce around in the story when it's just an audio drama. But I, I would hope that if it was the movie, the movie, maybe there'd be more hicks. I don't know. I It's kind of hard to tell. It feels like we need there to be more hicks, because even yeah. like Bishop, who... It almost feels like to me that what they've done for the audible drama is they've given Henriksen not just bishop lines, but also like basically stage direction. A little bit, and, yeah. Yeah, and they've turned the stage direction or they, they've turned the, the writer's notes on his own script that we wouldn't be in the movie. They've turned that into narration. Yeah. And, and basically had him tell us the story, which is an interesting way of doing it. But Bishop is gone because he's dead. <laughs> he's yeah. still dead, pretty much, right? Because in this one, the alien comes out of him somehow, and his sleep pod becomes like a canopy for the egg, which is really kind of gruesome when you really think about it because he's aware of what's happening to his insides. Uh, yeah. And that's like he feels the egg sac growing inside of him and then forming, and he wakes up, and the canopy is all dewy and tropical and but he can't move because he's like him basically he's defragging is what it mm-hmm. sounds like right? yeah yeah he yeah. is and he's so he can't do anything Ugh. and that 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 was creepy that was actually pretty disturbing that would be disturbing imagery and then when they finally put him back together that's later in the story too so mm-hmm. it's like bishop wasn't really going to be in this hicks wasn't really going to be in this Ripley's in a coma and Newt is just pops up every now and again to look at lemurs. It was yeah. <laughs> and like Rossetti, who's the visionary for this state space station, he wasn't a protagonist either, was he? Uh, what did you guys think? I don't think so. Yeah, we're really bopping around with everybody. It's, that's that's, that's part of the issue. Unfinished. It it's yeah. like I said, it's you never really have anything to grab onto with this thing because it moves so quickly from yeah. group to group to group. And also, too, one of my favorite things about this film is the just so close to being offensive of the uh, accents that some of the characters have. <laughs> and I appreciate that they had to do that because everybody will Otherwise, kind of start to sound yeah. the same. 
Yeah. So you need yeah. to differentiate them in some way, but it sometimes is difficult, really. And also, too, there's a weird thing with this where there are times, Jason, like you say, where the bishop is our narrator. He's filling us in like a traditional audiobook type mm-hmm. thing would do. But then we have this transformation that Wells does when she becomes the hybrid that really isn't described at all. We never really have any idea what she looks like. Any of the hybrids, what they actually look like when they turn, which I yeah. thought was a little frustrating. And all I could, when I'm listening, I'm thinking, God, I wish that something like that would have been filmed. I, I, that would have been awesome potentially yeah. to see. And it's neutered in this audiobook. It just said, oh, they're changing. Oh, that's scary. And that's <laughs> well, you hear the tearing day. and the ripping, and her voice gets distorted. She's like, yeah. what's happening to me? <laughs> um, <laughs> And the graphic novel, I think, fills that in. It's pretty fucking yeah. gross. Uh, but even then, it's still not that. It's not that intense or great. Yeah. I, I, listen, as a failed artist and one who wanted to actually draw <laughs> comics in college, the art in that is it's okay. It's not. It didn't really blow me away at all. Okay, can uh, let me let me ask the question because you guys seem to be smarter than me. No, when, I am wearing pants. When the <laughs> When the traditional Xenomorph showed up in the third act and fought with the hybrid, were you as confused as to I was? 100%. Where the fuck did this traditional Xenomorph come from? Yes. Yeah, well, that's because that was the one. And which one killed which? Because <laughs> it's like they're they're fighting over their territory. That felt a little Jurassic Worldy, where it's like the old T-Rex is showing up to fight the new T-Rex yeah. or the new monster creature and i was just sort of like okay yeah there are some of the stuff where they have to establish what's happening is so poorly written it's so jarring this you know some of those dialogue lines like hicks too says they said well why are they fighting each other they're family well not all family gets along that type of thing and it's just yeah (laughs) oh good lord there's a lot of that unfortunately in here the audio drama is the product of the working draft that they had yeah. yep. with a little bit of rearrangement. So I think what Gibson was probably best suited for was creating a new world, a new ecosystem, for lack of a better term, for mm-hmm. a story to take place in. Because he was he's very good at imagining, like almost like a Ridley Scott, uh, lived in and James Cameron for that matter lived in worlds with lots of detail and minutia about what it would be like to live on this ecological station and what the future is and treaties and politics and all that sort of stuff I don't know that he's best suited for dialogue and action <laughs> or character so you would have to have brought somebody else in mm-hmm. to do that part of it you know yeah, Ron, I think... what, what about you? I feel like uh, Jason and I have monopolized the conversation so far. <laughs> I definitely struggled to keep connected to everything that was happening. And then I was just sad for myself because I was like, if there's no pictures, I don't want to get it. And I was just like, <laughs> like it really was frustrating. <laughs> I know. I know. And like, it's a really well-produced audio drama. I, I feel a little bit more strongly about that than you do, Chris. I, I thought mm. like, production wise it was great but i was like i i can't see it like i can't see everything i appreciate it a lot well that's a failure though isn't it that's a failure if you can envision it in your mind i think that's a failure of the uh story or the presentation but i do feel like there were some things that were 
I mean, in general, I prefer this story to the one we got in Alien 3 because I really, really did not enjoy that. But I do feel like there were some things specifically that this did better. And I liked getting into the lab again. I liked poking, like the idea, even though I can't see it, the idea of poking at another weird gooey thing in a dish. Because like that, I want to see that. I want to see the gross stuff. And I want I want to know that I don't really know how to explain it. I just really liked the idea of studying it, of that being sort of the positive and the negative is like, we need to understand it, but we also, we can't even start to understand it because just understanding it is dangerous. Like the Mm. knowledge of it is the threat. Like we have to get rid of everything. And I, I just found that to be really interesting and like, we got a more thorough and like clear explanation of the reproductive cycle of just kind of everything that it's capable of doing. And I feel like you have room for that in this. I like the idea that the alien can spontaneously evolve into a queen if the circumstances require it. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, lots of interesting stuff, as I said, is really introduced here. I think you're entirely right. Yeah. I think, um, I I I like aspects of it, but I also don't. I mean, what? Because <laughs> the two things that I the, the the things that I like about the original Alien is how much we don't know mm. and how much is said kind of on the down low. Like for instance, when one of them runs into it for the first time and and they're describing, there's a you know, uh, it's you know a little bit taller than a human being or a man or it's blah 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 blah. And then just like a little bit off the side, Ash is like Kane's son. Mm-hmm. That tells me everything I feel like I need to know about it. And the way he describes it as a, the perfect organism and then Bishop the same way in Aliens, they they tell us that the part of the reason why it's a, the perfect organism is because it can adapt to any environment because it combines itself as a parasite with the DNA of whatever it gestates in. So if you put it into a man, it's going to be relatively man size. And some of that was more obvious in the design of the creature in the first film because it essentially has a human skull under the dome. And so it's it's partly cane. And that's a very creepy idea mm. that it's partly the thing that it's been in. Ugh. And it carries that DNA forward. But if you put it into an ox or a dog, then it, it is and has more genetic dog-like properties. So you could land this thing or an egg on any mm-hmm. planet and anywhere in the system because it doesn't really need oxygen. Right. It doesn't need, and it could just become whatever it needs to become, enough of what it needs to become to kill everything else, to become the ultimate invasive species. Mm-hmm. And that's all I really need to know. Once we start getting into where, who made it and where did it come from and what does its DNA exactly do? And I think we run the risk of taking the terror, the body horror out of it. The more we explain it, the more bug-like it becomes or the more like controllable or understandable. It's the unknown that makes it scary. And I think this story did a slightly better job of of like reiterating some of those details, but I don't know that it 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 didn't it didn't go too far, but it was like, okay, mm-hmm. we're now encroaching on maybe we're going too far. Hmm. And having seen five different movies, Chris, where we get some kind of a hybrid yeah. of some kind. I know that that story is a dead end too. That's just <laughs> so I'm like, please. 
you know, lest we forget the newborn. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get there, Lady One. I'm, I'm so nervous. <laughs> I think that you're right 100% that the first one is so scary because there's not too much information, but you can never put it back in the bottle. Like at this point, you can't refuse to tell me more about it. So I do feel like this one in particular walked that line of giving me more, but not making me feel like it was homework where it was like, and you need to remember this. This is going to be on the test. This is going to be in the next one. You need to know how this happened. Like there's no more benefit of mystery. You can't, I, I, you can't have it anymore. Yeah, I think the benefit of mystery is continued horror. Mm hmm. I, I think we should never learn anything about this because it's beyond us. The, the root of this story is cosmic horror. Yeah. Man goes into space, tr space truckers go into space, and they encounter something that is represents the cold, raping nature of the universe, and they have no control over it and cannot stop it and can't explain it. I think or, the moment you're... Go ahead. Or even the consequences of colonization. Right. Yeah. Of, uh, you know, that's that aspect of it, too. If you're going to go into and just over take over a place, you never know what's going to be there waiting for you. But I think the at the at where this movie does or this what this movie would have been where it adds an interesting wrinkle is kind of doubling down on the body horror of like, what if you took something that was already uh, very terrible <laughs> <laughs> and you made it even more scary? <laughs> uh I think if you could execute that idea well, but then again, if you do execute it really well, you've just kind of dismantled one of the greatest monsters of the 20th century in the Xenomorph. Mm -hmm. So the real answer is uh, you should make two and then leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> just walk away. Yeah, just you take it. Yeah, you can't top it. That's, yeah. the, that's the hard part, right? You've got freaking simulation versus simulacra that you got the guy who like created science fiction in the 20th century. And he's like, I don't know, communist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you, you're right. You can't top it. No, you lightning struck twice and you get yeah. so lucky. And then you just kind of, but that's, I mean, not to, to, to get into that's, that's, that's capitalism. Though. That's what the whole industry is built on nowadays. But yeah, it is, it is. But I think specifically you shouldn't have been able to make a sequel. That's it. And they did, and it's so good. And they're like, I don't know. We just got to keep rolling the dice. And like that, they should not have made a good sequel. Okay, so let me ask you, Lady Wan, Chris. If I pitch to you, right, you, it's 1980-whatever, right? And mm -hmm. I'm the executive, and I come to you guys, and I go, I got a bang-on idea for an alien sequel, okay? It's about Vietnam and space, and there's going to be actions and explosions, and blah, there's going to be a kid, and it's going to be about moms. And I did all this crazy. You'd be like, that's the worst sequel idea ever because it's it has nothing to do with Alien. It's everything we hate about modern sequels, right? For the most uh -huh. part. But it's the great, one of the greatest yeah. sequels ever. <laughs> I don't know how it worked. It shouldn't work. It shouldn't be a good sequel to Alien. And it is. It's the perfect sequel to Alien. And it's one of the yeah. perfect sequels of all time. Yeah. So to be like, let's do it a third time, it's, it's not going to work. I, I... No, they got lucky twice. And not to be, and to get as my, uh, my highest pretentious level as I can. <laughs> I mean, you got to have an auteur. 
you need to have someone with the genius that James Cameron has. And then Fincher ends up kind of being one of those guys. But the problem is yeah. that he isn't allowed to do what he does. When you have it's the studio interference that I think undercuts him. I think if Fincher was able to make the film he wanted to make, would it have been better than Alien Three? I think so. Would it have been an instant classic with Alien Aliens? Uh, no, but I think it would have been a better experience than what we got, and a better experience in this audiobook. I think it's just, I think in the end, I think what tripped up that third film was just the studio realizing how important this property is to them and mm-hmm. then just coming in and trying to manage the entire process, which ends up sabotaging the whole project. Almost like Whalen Utani right. going to sending executives to this anchor point base. <laughs> and they're like, we, we've had, we've encountered this thing two times before. We just got to destroy it now because we, we survived. We got lucky twice. Mm-hmm. We just got to destroy everything. They're like, no, just keep fucking with it because there's money on the line. And eventually Hicks has to have a gun sleeve, which I don't fully understand. <laughs> and he's just going around and shooting stuff with his hands, uh, which seems kind of dumb. And then... <laughs> And uh, yeah, and then uh, everybody dies. So <laughs> <laughs> do you think, okay, do you think the Whalen yutani metaphor for 20th Century Fox was lost on the executives reading these scripts? A thousand percent. I didn't know it. They no self-reflection. Yeah. They have no <laughs> self-awareness about that whatsoever. I don't think they know now. Probably not. <laughs> oh. Based on Alien Covenant, they do not. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! All right. So I was I was thinking about asking you about that because I don't want to I don't want to yeah. poison Juan's mind ahead of these other it's later films. So you are not a fan of Scott's uh, follow up movies, are you? Because I enjoy. I, th- I actually think they're I, I think they're good. They're not obviously as good as the first one or the second, but I think they're better than any other single Alien property released since. Oh, that bar's so low, Chris. Well, that's right. Um, here, okay, here's here's where I'll what I'll say about uh, Prometheus is, I think Ridley Scott for a very long time wanted to make a Chariot of the Gods kind of mm-hmm. movie, and that got was almost like a biblical narrative kind of a thing, and the only way he could get that movie greenlit was to call it an alien movie. And he's pretty much said as such because a lot of that script that before Lindelof came on was for a movie that was not tied to the Alien franchise at all. And then 20th Century Fox is basically like, if we're going to give you $300 million to make a movie, we want a billion back, you better make it an Alien movie. And then they kind of tried to backdoor it into the Alien franchise, whereas he says rejiggering the myth which is a terrible thing for a director to say, is I want to make a very belated sequel to rejigger the myth. Mm. Please don't, sir. Um, <laughs> so if it wasn't an alien movie, I think it's a really interesting, beautiful production design, genius on that level, um, science fiction story that also has all the harm, hallmarks of Damon Lindelof writing, unfortunately, which is we're asking a bunch of questions. We don't have any of the answers, and that's the fun. <laughs> and when you have to sell your Blu-ray on, finally all the answers you didn't get answered in the theater will be answered, and they still don't answer them, that's a sign that Damon Lindelof wrote your movie. So. And uh, Scott did get yeah. to make his biblical epic film, 
even then later on, which I think is still one of the worst films I have seen in the past 20 years. <laughs> if you haven't seen Exodus Gods and Kings, folks, it is atrocious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's hit or miss, right? Yeah. We're experiencing that this year with uh, Last Duel and House of Gucci, right? I, so he's... I loved The Last Duel. Did you love it better than William Gibson's Alien 3 Audible exclusive? Absolutely. <laughs> in fact, if we had Ben Affleck playing all of the roles in this audio, <laughs> delivering the lines the way he does in The Last Duel, this may be what's my his, favorite thing I've ever listened to. What's his character in this Viewisk universe? Holden? Is he Holden? No. Yes. Okay. Yes. That's one would, of his characters. Would this be better if Holden was in Alien 3? No. No. I I need Count Pierre Delacombe in Alien 3 is what I need. Would this be better if it was the William Gibson screenplay but Kevin Smith punched up the dialogue and directed the film. <laughs> that would be oh. hilarious. I mean, the first time you interact with one of those hybrids and all of a sudden you're like, Snoochie boochies. You know, I think that would Jason be. Jason Muse is the hybrid. Yeah, that's well, it. And that's he it. goes full hybrid. Yeah. Oh, man. His teeth, you wouldn't even need special effects. Just pop right out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd watch that. <laughs> Lady, please get us back on track. I'm, I'm... <laughs> I, is, is there anything else left to say about the story, the mm. production, the performances before we talk about what was our favorite performance? I have a question. Yes. <laughs> I'm nervous. Um, the monologue Bishop gives at the end where he's basically like, this is war now. And, I, and to your mm -hmm. point later on, I, I thought the second one was war. But <laughs> I think it's even one of the Bishop, taglines, right? This time yes. it's war? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but Bishop is like, basically, you're going to have to go to the home world and you're going to have to kill them on their own home world. Yeah. Part of me didn't really understand that because... Um, it wasn't as if we were in a war with xenomorphs. We just happened to discover one because of a corrupt corporation that kind of knew they were out there for how, whatever reason, yeah. knew this derelict ship was out there, sent a bunch of space miners to go basically get infected so mm -hmm. they could have this biological weapon. And, and then when that didn't work, they sent them back out there to, <laughs> to put a oh, colony yeah. there yeah. So in the hopes that probably they would be infected, uh -huh. you know, on and on and on. So, and what we know is, unless you disturb the laser field, at least in the derelict, they don't do anything, right? Because Hadley's hope was there forever. Yeah. And it isn't until Newt's family breaches the field or Kane breached that field in the bottom of the derelict ship that the eggs activated. Why is it war now? Because presumably the rest of the xenomorphs in the universe don't know we exist. No, I, I can't imagine that they do. So isn't um, the simple answer, stay the fuck away from them? Definitely stay away. Yeah. Going there seems like a, a terrible idea. Right? <laughs> well, then also, that's, that's Gibson's chance to now tackle the Iraq war. I guess that's the way you can look at it. so. If we're going to do the Cold War, <laughs> then we can say, show the horrors um, of preemptive. Uh... 
War. Which Iraq war? I'm American. I can't. I can't keep those Fair straight. enough. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> numero dos. Okay. All right. But Chris, I mean, what do you think about that? Why? Why would we be like? Well, Bishop, according to my calculations, Marty, we need to go to the xenomorph planet. Like, why? That's not I, logical, Bishop. Sounds like the worst place. I think it's just a weak, hackneyed way to try and again remember, written in 1987, that mm-hmm. we have to work together to bridge the divide between the two parties is really what it is. Uh, so you need a common enemy. I don't know if it's a watchman level type thing, right? Yeah. We're going to create this thing that forces us to do that. Mm. Uh, or if, I think it's just a lazy way to kind of say, you know, I mean, this whole battle, may, it was the friends we made along the way or this oh, you know, type of thing. Holy shit. You just came up with a way more interesting hook for this movie. What if the ecological idealists who aren't really on either side, who are funded by the capitalists, but aren't really like they're just they just want to like restore nature or whatever. What if their whole thing was like, we need a common enemy because we're destroying these planets, we're destroying the earth. The only way to save the human race from mutual dis- uh, assured destruction is to introduce a new third party enemy. And that's this xenomorph. They see it as they uh, encounter the Sulaka and are like, this is the opportunity we've been waiting for. And a bunch of rogue idealistic scientists are like, we're going to have peace in our time. And uh, they start futzing around with it. And then it gets loose. That's at least something interesting where it's like, now there's like idealism instead of greed because you can only be like Waylon Yutani wants a weapon. Okay, that's every one of these movies. Yeah. What if it's idealism that leads us to destruction? I like it, but counterpoint, yeah. Godzilla King of the Monsters. And that was trash. And that was that, what, what that was, basically. <laughs> well, you still have to write a good script. But no, yeah, but like yeah. I was just mad at her. Yeah. When, when she was like, no, this is what we need. I was like, no, I don't like you. Oh, no. The idealist would be the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. We, they're not our protagonist. It's Hicks, who's the voice of reason, who's like, what the fuck are you people doing? Yeah. You can't control these things, even, you know, to, for peace or whatever. Like, basically, they're eco-terrorists, for lack of a better term, right? Yeah. Uh, and and I, I, I guess that reflects poorly in 2021, of like the environmentalists or the bad guys against the capitalists. <laughs> But in, I think in the 80s, it could probably play. I think so. I, that was just an idea when Chris was like laying it out. I'm like, well, that's kind of more interesting. <laughs> well, there is an I... eco-fascist movement in the in the country, or actually in the world right now. So that's not that crazy an idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think it could work. I, I, think, I think if you'd given us this script plus like two days, could make a good, better version of this. I <laughs> think draft. we reach out to Dirk Mags. <laughs> <laughs> in between you know his judas priest cover band shows and then yeah. we uh yeah million dollar idea let's do it i'll tag him when we post the episode i'm sure the folks at 20th century fox who still probably legally own this script will be like yeah go for it that binge <laughs> mo- the binge movies guy <laughs> they seem to be open to a lot of different things Jason. <laughs> not anymore buddy well, that's, that's Disney true. you're talking about. That's fair. <laughs> I got dealings with Disney. They're not good people. <laughs> good times. Man. We now live in a world where the Walt Disney Corporation is producing alien content, mm-hmm. xenomorph chest burster content. 
You can get a you, your kid can either watch Fantasia or Chess Bursters on the Disney Plus app, <laughs> and we're just like, yep, this works. Did they launch that adult tier? I know they were they were supposed to be doing that at some point. Not not yet, but you know they will. They want yeah. that money. It will happen. Yeah, good time. And I will subscribe. <laughs> you will stay subscribed. Yes, it's already it's integrated with my phone service. I can't afford not to. That's Waylon Utani dystopian shit. If I've ever heard, oh, it. that's me. AT and T, HBO yeah. Max, AT and T, or Direct TV streaming. Oh yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got my life. Verizon, Hulu, Disney Plus, ESPN Plus bundle, baby. We're building better worlds with our cell phone that's and streaming service. <laughs> no. <laughs> Can't you just imagine a Waylon Utani commercial where they're like, in these unprecedented times, and what they really mean is xenomorphs, chest bursters, and face huggers are all over the earth, and everybody's dying because of them. You know, we have to come together. <laughs> we celebrate our first responders to the xenomorph crisis. You can just. <laughs> imagine it. i you know on that point i think the sequel hook here should have been we're not going to their world uh somebody jettisoned off of acre point and they're infected and they're going to earth mm -hmm. and oh shit now we bishops like they're 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 headed towards earth and yeah. we got to go there we got to yes. save we got to finally deliver on the marketing of alien 3 which is on earth <laughs> everyone can hear you scream yeah well we have to go save newt in oregon Bingo. So now yeah. you have the and you have the COVID tie-in. See how timely you are with all of this? <laughs> <laughs> well, I no, I'm saying back in the early 90s, like if you're gonna produce the script, say like in the early late 80s, early 90s, and yeah. it is the hook for a part two, you go to Earth. You, you have to. You you don't go to their world. No. Like you couldn't take you couldn't take out a hive with colonial marines. Mm -mm. What's a bunch of beatniks gonna do with a <laughs> Robot with like a fucked up knee and an elderly Michael Bean, like who's got a still still was burned with acid, yeah, <laughs> very <enough>. badly. <laughs> like, what is he gonna do with that one handgun? There's only so literally, much you can, yeah, you can't really you know beat them to death with a communist manifesto. That's not gonna get you very far. And the the um the horrible Asian stereotype you're talking <laughs> about, Chris, the very offensive accent. She's dying at the wheel of the ship that she's flying. Mm -hmm. And Bishop's like, oh, she's got radiation poisoning. She's, Jang's dead. And I'm like, yeah. the the, so the two and a half of you are going to go to Xeno World? What? So go to well, Earth. He's, he's got his sleeve gun. I don't know what you're so concerned about. <laughs> that ran out okay. of bullets. Chris, that has to be a pun, right? It's a handgun. Oh, is it a handgun? I thought it was part of the sleeve. <laughs> No, but think the, about it. It's at the end of the sleeve where your hand is. Oh, okay. It's a literal hand, hand gun. gun. That's the I that has to be the joke, right? Sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, you know, I could I could have been a writer. I could have made <laughs> I think that's Gibson going, handgun, handgun. It's built into the sleeve. It's a part of your hand. It's the future. Was it also like a fuck you to Sigourney Weaver who hates <laughs> all them guns? Right? We'll put you in a coma and we'll make the clothes the guns. Yeah. <laughs> oh. You don't want guns? That's fine, Sigourney. It's clothes now. Clothes are the weapons. <laughs> yeah, the more we talk about this out loud, the worse I feel about the script. <laughs> 
That's I was kind of like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's one of my last <laughs> notes. It's like, script isn't great. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's talk about our favorite performances, and then we can do our egg rating to find out how not great all of us felt that it was. Um, <laughs> Jason, would you like to go first with who your favorite performance in this audio drama was? The voice actress who played Newt was not doing a. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm not joking. She was not doing a Carrie Hen impersonation. No, but she was kind of close in, in a way. Uh-huh. And uh, other than her line reading for affirmative, which I was like, you just don't put that in the movie. Affirmative. Uh, <laughs> Every time she said it, I wanted to stop the audiobook and just delete it <laughs> off of my phone. <laughs> But otherwise, I thought she was pretty good. I, I, I actually was just, I just wanted more scenes with her and Hicks instead of yeah. some yeah. other character we didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, showing her lemurs. Yeah, like have Hicks spend time with her. So I, I really liked her. Uh, that's about it. Chris? I don't know. I was going to put like all names on a dartboard and throw a dart. I have nothing <laughs> really that. I Put him guess... down for Chang. <laughs> uh, Rebecca Yao too. So I'm th- I'm thinking she's Asian. So now I f- I don't know what to think. Um, <laughs> so now I'm racist. Son of a bitch. <laughs> so I I just feel better that she's Asian. I guess if it was, it'd be worse if it was. Yeah. Some anyway. Um. <laughs> I guess it's going to be Michael Bean. Just to hear him again as Hicks was one of the highlights in this entire thing for me. He had some really horrible line reads, but I blame that more on the script than I do him. I think he's more like, you're going to pay me how much to do this? (laughs) That's beer money. You know, I feel like that's kind of his whole performance plays like that. But still, out of all of it, I don't know. Maybe it's just nostalgia, but I'm going with Michael Bean. There's no wrong answers, Chris. It's okay. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, my favorite was Bishop. Um, I almost picked him as my favorite performance in Aliens. And then truly Lance Henriksen was my favorite part of Alien 3. That's how much I liked in Alien 3. So mm-hmm. I was glad to have more of him. I didn't get a chance to talk about the real Alien 3, but when she reactivates him in the garbage dump, yeah, that's probably one of the best scenes in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Like just Lance Hendrick Henderson doing a voiceover on a Muppet is it's very sad yeah. in a way that yeah, where it's like this is her last connection to the life she built for herself mm-hmm. after recovering from her trauma by confronting her monsters. Yeah. And he's just like, if I can't be top shelf, I just want to die. You're on your own. <laughs> yeah. Throw me in the garbage. <laughs> it's it's sad. Yeah. He's um, like, oh, like, shut me off. I'm done. Like yeah so the idea arc. that they're the idea in this one that they're like they just rebuild him and they're like how's the work bishop is like that's satisfactory <laughs> i kind of <laughs> like that whereas like you know it's surprisingly satisfactory like he's i just like the idea that he's like a fastidious droid like not, yeah. not a droid i'm sorry sorry disney well i guess yeah. well he is a synthetic person yes. and an android not okay. a droid that's tm yeah. uh lucasfilm ltd uh, and they have sued in the past over that. But uh, I like the idea that even in this version of the script, he's kind of like, 
very particular about his parts. Yeah, but yeah. there's so many painful moments at the end, of the end of the audio drama where him and Hicks are having this kind of playful chatter back and forth about how, well, Hudson thought I was funny, that type of thing. And it just goes on far too long. And it's... <laughs> I don't get that at all. Chris, I said there were no wrong answers in favorite performances. You can't tell me that mine's wrong. I apologize. (laughs) Also, I didn't get to say what my favorite part was because I um, forgot about it until just now. My favorite part was the Bishop callback to his like Android super speed. um, When it was Mm. like the security system is like, this will take 24 hours. And he's just like, and you just hear him typing away. And I was like, yes, he finally was fast again. I was very excited about that. That That was was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That was such a good callback because otherwise, you know, being super fast, <laughs> never played into anything. Yeah. Like, so good payoff, finally, a million years later. Okay. Are we ready to to give some some scores, some egg ratings? Sure. And remember, Listen. Jason, we allow halves. So yes. okay. But not what? any smaller decimal points than that. I know how you like to do. Okay. Just halves. Yep. That's What's the it. maximum number of eggs? Five Oddly, it's eggs. like 36. I don't know why. <laughs> How could you not say 37, Chris? That's true. I should say 37. Son of a bitch. Um, okay. Out of five eggs. Let me be a little technical. Okay. Am I giving eggs to this Audible production, or am I giving eggs to the script in general? You are giving eggs <clears throat> to this piece of art within the context of this franchise that did not answer my question audible production. But I, it's the audible <laughs> production. Uh, out of five i would give this thing dang uh this was tough um i really want to get more granular than a five you you, you gotta this is this is like the letterbox challenge yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what it's too. like to go to dinner with you. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick something on the menu. Uh, now I'm going to drag it out even longer. <laughs> Joy editing this. Uh, <laughs> oh, I can make it real easy. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, no, I... <laughs> two and a half. Was that a question or a statement? Damn. It, that, because I, I, you know, it's not a three, and you should be able to relate to this lady. One, it's okay. not a three, but two and a half feels low. Mm-hmm. But I gotta go. I gotta go two and a half because it's not a okay. three. Okay. But that seems like I just hated the entire thing. I, I, I am grateful that at the very least, this is out there in the world in a graphic novel format and audible format. That it, it's a great what if of film history, especially for mm-hmm. fran- fans of this franchise. Yeah. So you would recommend it then? This- you would recommend as an alien fan if they had not heard of it, they didn't know it existed. Oh, you got to listen to this just to. I think if you're a hardcore alien person listening to a whole season about alien <laughs> movies, you know this shit exists. You sure. got the graphic novels and you have the Audible downloaded and you sleep in alien pajamas. So uh, <laughs> you probably already know. If, if, if you're listening to this and you never heard of it, yeah, if you're a hardcore fan, go check it out. If you just casually like the movies because explosions, this one's not for you. <laughs> Do these jammies have like a little chest burster thing on them? <laughs> They're just bottoms. They're just <laughs> bottoms. This is a million dollar idea. And the chest burster is, well, 
<laughs> All right. It's not that kind of show. It it's a Lady Wong show. It, is. it, it is. certainly is that kind of show. Chris, would you like me to go next with my score? Sure, please do. So I I also struggled with giving it a score because like there's it's just hard to stack it up against actual movies because you know realistically if they'd made this in 1992 like or even the late 80s would the creature look stupid like would would the score maybe not be good so i don't want to give it credit for things it didn't do Mm. but i also don't want to like mark it off for not being an actual movie because it's not its fault however I know that if this is the movie they would have made, I would have been pissed off that Ripley was in a coma. I would have been mad that Newt got sent to Earth. I just know I would have been mad about that and that this would have been a bridge to a fourth movie. I I know I would have been pissed off. So I'm going to give it a three and a half. Wait, hold on. That doesn't <laughs> jive with me at all for what you, from how you describe that. That's it's like... Yeah, no, listen, I didn't like it. This stunk. This was horrible. So out of five, I'm going to give three and a half, four. No, I didn't say I didn't like it. Okay. I do like it. Bishop's my favorite character that is in this, and he's the bulk of it, even if he's just talking. And I thought it was a good story. I liked this story so much better than the story we got in the actual movie. So that's where it gets all of its points from. All right, just the way, way you way you described it to me, it sounded much more negative than the score you. Uh, no, I'm just explaining how it's not like a four star audiobook. Because honestly, I think as far as like an audiobook goes, it probably is a four star. But it's I'm trying to think of it in the context of what we've been discussing, mm. and I liked it. I liked listening to it. I liked this story. I would have rather gone down this path of where the movies go, but. I still wouldn't think it was like amazing. Mm-hmm. Three and a half. Fair enough. I think I'm inclined to agree with our guest Sigma male, Jason here. I think that um, <laughs> I'm actually at 2.5 for myself. Two, two and a half eggs. Uh, it was, 2. listen, 5. I think it's a curio, right? It's a fine diversion. I don't think it's better than Alien 3. I don't. Uh, maybe there's some plot points and some information here or some, you know, as I said earlier, concepts that are really interesting that I may mm-hmm. have liked to have seen translated on in the screen. But the script is just not, it's not good. A lot of the voice acting is not terribly good, I don't think. It's just, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad I got to hear <laughs> this alternative version. As I said earlier, I like this kind of stuff. I like audio dramas. They're fun, yeah. neat kind of throwback things. And I think, too, if this gets a little exposure to this for other people, that's great that this media does exist. You know, I just don't you don't hear a lot about it on your social medias. They don't talk a lot about audio dramas, at least not in the circles that I travel, which is mostly film, you know, a little Yankee talk and then (laughs) the weird occasional dirty stuff that I don't want to talk about. So it's it's fine. It's okay. It's two and a half eggs. A little disappointing, Mm -hmm. but it's it's I'm happy to exist. That gives a whole new meaning to face hugger. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure there's an there's adult a... parody version of Alien out there somewhere. Oh, Definitely. I'm sure there is. Pants bursters. Like Jason's <laughs> like, I'm sure there is. I wouldn't know. 
hey, what I do in my private time with my private people, nobody else's business. Fair enough. Do I dress up like a xenomorph? Do I have a full head? That is a very specific thing. <laughs> but yeah. live your life. Yeah. Do what you do. Yeah. I don't judge. I have a xenomorph cock ring. I do. <laughs> <laughs> The head is ribbed for her pleasure. And so it's the acid is what we all right. Let's just let's just move. Let's just, shut it down. Shut it down. You successfully tipped me over the edge. So congratulations to both of you. You're welcome. I told you I was going to make a mess of this. <laughs> Affirmative. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, Jason, where, yeah. uh, where can the fine folks at home find you if they want to hear more of what you have just put on display? <laughs> well, depending on the edit. Uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, basically, you can find me on Twitter at Binge Movies. Uh, you can hear all about the show, what we've got coming up, what we're doing. Uh, we're on all your favorite podcast apps. Uh, so just check us out. If, you, if you're a movie maniac, you like movies, and you want to help build a people's canon of film that should be preserved for all time, even beyond the end times, and Binge mm-hmm. Movies is the show for you. We know what the film nerds of film Twitter have to say about mm-hmm. What movies are good? What movies aren't good? Uh, we're a show that's about watching a ton of movies across the full spectrum of film, genre, quality, all of it. And we're leaving it up to you, the people, episode by episode, uh, to determine which movies are most worthy of preservation to create a definitive people's canon. So, uh, yeah, we have a good time. Things get crazy. Mm-hmm. If you're a big fan Sounds of The like Lady it. Juan, she's been on numerous times. Yes. Uh, and uh, so, yeah. I haven't just been, check I haven't us out. been on at all. I haven't uh, been invited. You don't listen to the uh, show, Chris. So I didn't feel a reason no, to invite um, you. <laughs> so. You don't know who I am. I don't typically give invites. I don't know. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Have, have you, this will get me to listen to the show. I got two films for you that I. You don't have to tell me. I don't want to hear your thoughts on them. I just want to know if you've covered them in some capacity. Art School Confidential. Art School Confidential, we have not covered. No, I I feel like I have been insulted. But (laughs) I'm going to ask you um, one of my favorite films the past 10 plus years. In fact, it's I talk about it so much, I'm not allowed to talk about it on my show. Uh, Drive. Nicholas Winding Refn, Ryan Gosling. I have not covered it. All right. And then one of the films that actually inspired me to do my show Black Dynamite. You're talking about the original Black Dynamite? Yeah, Black Dynamite. Michael J. White. Uh, no, haven't covered it. Okay. Oh, Fair enough. All right. I will still do my duty <laughs> and listen to the show. I will. Chris, I, I, like, I was scrolling through today your feed, actually. So I'm thinking, if you like us to cover it, you can sponsor an episode. <laughs> Go to bingemovies.podbean.com, hit sponsor an episode, and for a few bucks... I'll cover that movie for you. Both oh, you of them. are good. You are good, sir. Yeah. I saw some too that weren't three and a half hours long or something like that. So I'm, I'm, uh, is that, is that what held you back from diving into that Carpenter episode? I know you love Carpenter. I, that's what I need to do is John Carpenter stuff. You're, you're absolutely right about that. I will indeed, uh, right dip into feed. that. I mean, I said three hours to 
We cover five movies bare minimum per episode. Yeah. So Who's that some kind of our episodes we're Good for, for we're for we're for hardcore movie fans. You are. For sure. I, like yeah. I say, one of the earlier taglines we had for my other show was softcore film talk. So clearly I'm I'm not as dedicated. <laughs> And you did, you know what? No time I, I to die. We, I, an instant I reaction. We, I will check that out. I'm a huge Bond think, fan. Yeah, I think we've proven there's there's some hardcore stuff about you, Chris. <laughs> I've <laughs> so I will. I guarantee I will listen to the John Carpenter. And you know what? I've been re- running down all the Nightmare on Elm Street films myself. Oh, you gotta listen to that episode. So I will listen. That's the one I would listen I'll, to. More I'll, than say, I'll say I'll yeah. say to my wife, listen, honey, I cannot see you this weekend. <laughs> I need to listen. No, yeah, I will do that. You have my uh, guarantee. The good news is we have segments, so you can listen to it a portion at a time. Look at you. We have structure to our show. Uh, so I only I disrupt know. structure Hi. in other people's shows. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. Okay. Anything else? Have we mentioned I mean, how awesome just, I am yet or no? I don't think we ha- have. Housekeeping, general housekeeping. Um, uh-huh. You, you got to go follow Chris on Twitter, CG Scalzo. Uh, I don't tweet listen. as much from there. Well, I all don't. right, then follow, what is it, the first run? Yeah, well, at the first run, you can do yeah. that. I, I said something and, disparaging today about something. I made a sallow joke, so I don't know mm-hmm. how many sallow fans there are out there. See, it's, there's no, <laughs> no one wants to talk about sallow. No, it's horrible. <laughs> It's awesome, but it's horrible. Well, I'm running out of gas. Clearly, I'm running out of steam here. So, uh, yeah. So go f- go follow Chris for excellent takes about him running out of gas. Um, you can follow the show <laughs> at Screen Run. You can email us at ScreenRunFun at gmail Please subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find full episodes at ScreenRun.Fun. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, because uh, Apple rules our lives. Please give us five stars and leave a review. It's my love language. I need it. Thank you. And thank you, Jason, for for doing this very weird non-movie movie podcast episode. Would this movie have been better if Ripley had tried to date a xenomorph and convince <laughs> it it wasn't actually a xenomorph? I would be intrigued to see that. Chasing Xeno. <laughs> I gotta confess, I did not know where you were going with that for a second there. But then, uh... you're not asexual. You don't need to burst through chest. You're choosing this life. <laughs> I just did a joke that doesn't work in an audio medium. It was wonderful, though. All right. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Jason, it was awesome to have you. I feel like you and I are now at least internet acquaintances, which is wonderful (laughs) for me. And hopefully we will talk to you again soon at some point. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Until next time, binge on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care of yourselves, and we will see you soon. Okay, bye. With the canopy closed, I could still hear Ripley and Newt talking. Are we going to sleep all the way home? All the way home. Can I dream? Yes, honey. I think we both can. (laughs) Sleep tight. Affirmative.
That was the point at which my capsule's hypersleep freeze agent drowned out their conversation. And when I realized that something inside my fractured body was beyond my powers to bring under control, 